0: You're going to do a four-minute musical introduction no that thing went on for you know what <laughs> i think they were i think they were doing that to uh calibrate the sound
1: oh maybe yeah maybe they let that run so they could have time to f- make sure it was at the right volume and everything
0: because it, it had to be really to get it synchronized i can't even imagine how difficult that would be
1: well and, and... some
0: 80 some years ago
1: probably finicky, you know, like probably required more manual adjustments. you reading
0: about the director? Uh-huh. Alan Alan uh, Crosland? Apparently they did some other uh, talking movies kind of experimentally before this one. Because they talked... It, it talked in the article about how he had directed one in 1925 that was a combination of music... And silent, but there was no dialogue, so they were just learning how to put the silent film in with the music. I think they, they were called Vita that.
1: they were called Vitaphone shorts. Was oh, that what they were? This uh, Blu-ray deluxe edition has a DVD of just Vitaphone shorts. There's over three and a half hours of rare historic Vitaphone comedy and music shorts, including. Elsie Janice in a vaudeville act, behind the lines, Bernardo De Pace, Wizard of the Mandolin, Van and Schenck, the pennant winning battery of Songland, and much, much more. So
0: The Wizard of Mandolin. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's a great title.
0: The marketing of musicians has changed only slightly in 85 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, well, that's what it was then. Because Vitaphone was the only, uh, I think it was the only technology around.
1: Well, there was a few others. Uh, I love the name of one of them. It was the, uh, oh, Movie Tone and Photophone.
0: Movie Tone and Photophone.
1: Or a couple tone. of competing uh technologies i have a trivia on movie tone okay
0: back in the day when i was a kid and we'd go to the movies there'd be like a 10 minute n- news program fox news or warner brothers news one of them was movie tone and they did kind of they did a move they did some short you're know, right in the middle of the features that in between the features they'd have a news thing of news of the world or whatever Oh. And movie to- movie tone was one of them. I don't know if it was Paramount or 20th Century Fox that had it. Interesting, but the other one I never heard of.
1: Phonophone, photophone. It sounds like a oh, mo- Sounds like a modern day smartphone.
0: It does. But movie tone, yeah, I I've, I've saw that many times. I'm guessing it was probably 20th Century Fox that owned it.
1: Yeah, it looks like it was.
0: God, I got a I got a head full of trivial goulash.
1: Photophone would lead to the creation of RKO Pictures. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I guess it was a a pre-runner to that studio. Another bit of trivia. One of the
0: founders of that RKO studio was uh, President Kennedy's father, Joe Kennedy. He wanted to get in the movie business. So he was a bunch of other people started that movie uh, studio.
1: Man, you do have a lot of trivia. That's amazing. I know. It's like, it's
0: a, <laughs> it's like a head full of goulash. And, and knowing the old man Kennedy, he was kind of a philanderer. Uh huh. A big time philanderer. He probably went into that so that he could meet more women.
1: Oh, jeez. Uh, all right. Well, since we've already been talking about it now for five minutes, we should probably introduce ourselves.
0: Oh, have we been recording? Oh, okay. As we ra- did, we include that thing on President Kennedy's father. Uh, of course, we might want to edit that out. Why is that? Well, it's it's mostly gossip.
1: Oh, well, that's all right. It's who you know. He's not here with us anymore. He won't care.
0: That's true. <laughs> that's true. All right.
1: Thanks for joining us uh, today. We're talking about the jazz singer, and uh, we. Had a little bit of opening music there at the beginning, uh, but that opening music went on for four and a half minutes, so not going to include all of it. Uh, They called it an overture, and as Bob was saying, they might have used that to help calibrate the the sound system. Uh, I'm Matt Johnson, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews at ClassicMovieReviews.net, and you can also find us on iTunes. Uh, just search for classic movie reviews, and and who are you, my fine gentleman?
0: I'm Bob Johnson in in Los Angeles. I think I'm still traveling. I'm stepping on your lines and rambling on.
1: Ah, uh, you're still getting reacclimated to the arid desert environment of Los Angeles after being in Seattle for a week.
0: I am. It was a great trip. Great trip indeed. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's too bad we couldn't record this while you were here, but we just didn't have any time. Too much other fun stuff going on.
0: It would have been interesting. The dogs would have been barking. People would have been coming in and out. It would have been kind of like a. a sh- uh, we taped it at the train station or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Everybody's off at school now, so uh, we have the silence in the house here.
0: Um, your office your office is uh, stone cold, quiet.
1: Yep. Yep yeah, we're talking about the jazz singer. And I have to be honest that I had no real idea what this movie was about before watching it. Uh, The only thing I knew about it was that Al Jolson was the lead and that he did the blackface uh, act in this movie. And that was about all I knew. So I feel much more aware of kind of the history and obviously the story. And Pretty much read every IMDb comment that they that was on there, and then read uh, this book that came with the uh, Blu-ray, and I feel I feel uh, more in touch with the the story and the the reasons why they did certain things. But I'm I'm no expert, so if you're listening and and you're an expert on this movie, uh, feel free to put a comment on our website if we get something wrong here because. Uh, We're going to do our best uh, to cover the bases, but we might miss something or get something wrong.
0: It, uh, well, and going back 80, I think 87 years since it was released, even I wasn't around for that. (laughs) Amazingly. (laughs) Amazingly. It was distributed by Warner Brothers. They were sort of the... uh, the leader on getting into sound film. I found it interesting that it was released on October 6, 1927, which is my birth date. Not the twenty-seven, the October 6th.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not the year, uh, but... Uh, not yeah. the year,
0: no, just the day. And it made a great deal of money. And boy, did it change the landscape of film.
1: Well, and, and uh, last time we were talking about Singing in the rain, and how the other studio executives kind of poo pooed the idea of talking pictures until this movie really became a huge success. And then all of a sudden, everybody started making talking pictures.
0: The thing I found I, I had never seen it in its entirety, I'd seen excerpts from it and people's opinions about the songs and the blackface and all. But when I saw the whole movie, which is about an hour and a half long, I really appreciated the movie and what they were trying to do, and of course did not care for the, uh, the blackface songs, and I did some research on that, and we may or may not get into some of the history of that, but uh, for a first-time effort with uh, silent and sound, I thought it was, well, first of all, be really difficult to do just from the technology standpoint, but I found it interesting, and I really got into it.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was also uh, kind of fascinating that it it wasn't the first time that there had been talking in, in a movie, but all the other examples were just these shorts, and they were more like experiments, you know, nothing that had ever been produced to this level or distributed to this level, and as we were saying before we got started, they had these Vitaphone shorts, uh, which were mostly, I think, recorded music, and so I think the real breakthrough here was using the talking aspect of the film as a dramatic element, right? Like it wasn't just yeah. there as an example of, "Hey, we can record sound." It was, it was a real integral part of the, of the storytelling.
0: And and it was a uh, a good story. It had a lot of melodrama to it. I I uh, noticed a lot of. Uh young actors that later on had long careers in TV and and motion pictures. Just to name a few, Myrna Loy was in a scene, and she made all those Thin Man movies, plus many more. Then there was William Demarest, who you'll remember was Uncle Charlie on My Three Sons on television. Oh, yeah. He was a young man with Al Jolson in uh, one of their early scenes where uh, uh, Mr. Jolson had gone on the road after... Leaving his home, and then Warner Oland, who was the father, mm-hmm. he made over a dozen Charlie Chan movies. Was very popular in the, in that uh, mystery area.
1: Yeah, that surprised yeah. me when you told me that because I he looked he really looked the part of the cantor in this movie. Did he ever? And my goodness, he was he was a Swedish actor. I mean, he was from Sweden. I believe he was. Yeah, I believe he was. Now. Al Jolson had been around before this movie. He he was sort of known as the world's greatest entertainer, coming into this movie, and and it was all from his uh, Broadway work, I believe, and, and work in, in uh, burlesque. Uh, yeah. So he 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 was a well-known entertainer, but obviously not. This was, I think, the first movie that he was in that really propelled him to like movie fame.
0: I was reading about his background. Yeah, he'd been in all kinds, of you know, vaudeville and so forth. And I remember listening to him on the radio back in the 40s. He had such a distinctive voice, and I was reading about many of the singers all the way up to the current time who said his style really influenced the way songs were presented. He was so energetic and engaging to the audience that I guess in, in real life, uh, he just sort of took over the show, spent most of World War II touring uh the uh, war zones, entertaining troops,
1: and didn't he also tour in Korea? I think um, he did. Yeah, near yeah. the end of his life, he did a lot of good things um, with his fame and his notoriety, I guess. But a lot of a lot of what people remember about him now is the is the blackface. How would you say that the the use of blackface in his in his show? Yeah.
0: And it was so prevalent at that time. I uh, again, I remember a very popular radio program from the 40s, Amos and Andy. Uh, Might have been rated number one, but is in the top ten for sure. And uh, they played two black uh, men, and both actors were white, and when they do publicity for newspapers or magazines, they'd be in blackface. Fortunately, when that program moved to television in the 50s, Amos and Andy were played by two black men and the blackface was gone.
1: I thought we'd probably talk about this near the end, but since we're talking about it now, I I wrote out a little thing here that says that I don't think I can reconcile the use of the blackface. It just is. It's what they did, and and so many other famous performers also did this at that time. And I, I think it's totally unacceptable now. I mean, you wouldn't see somebody doing this now Many people may have found it unacceptable then, and many other people were okay with it. But I don't think those people would have ever thought to think otherwise. Uh, they were so wrapped up in the culture as it was that it would have been impossible for them to step outside themselves and see that it was you know wrong. And I, I don't think Al Jolson met any disrespect by it you know, by, by all accounts from people that know more about it than I do Uh, he was a supporter of black music and black rights so to me it was more a part of his performance it was like a mask or a costume that he wore to be a part of his act and I think that's about the only way I can really uh, come to terms with that part of the movie and you know history in general in entertainment
0: yeah it was you know it was hard for me um, because you know taking the values and the culture of 2014 and going back to 1927 for me was really difficult because I, you know, it's the frame of reference is so different. And to watch this and try to place myself in that time, I really struggled with that. I still don't like the blackface. For the life of me, I don't know why it had to be done because his singing and the story that he was telling was so powerful without it
1: oh totally like it was it was so weird it was it, it it's up until the last 15 minutes of the movie maybe uh, and he's in his dressing room and he's getting ready for the dress rehearsals of the big show that they're gonna do on Broadway and it's his this is his big break here he is getting ready for that rehearsal and he starts putting this black makeup on and it was just so disconcerting it was like why you know why are you doing that yeah. why do you need to do that I didn't get it. I mean, even I was... even even his mom and the... Uh, uh, how do you pronounce that? Moisha? Yul- y- Yudelson?
0: Y- I believe so, yeah.
1: Comes in yeah. and they're like, well, it sounds like Jackie, but it doesn't look like Jackie. You know, they were kind of taken aback by it as well.
0: They were they were certainly
1: surprised About well, I mean, the clips. We could talk about the story, too. I mean, it's a pretty I think we should, a straightforward bit, yeah. story. It's basically... Uh, The Cantor, I don't think he actually has a a name in the movie other than that, but he's Al Jolson's uh, character's dad. And Al Jolson, is his name is Jackie Rabinowitz. And the Cantor is a fifth-generation Cantor at the synagogue. He's been bringing up his son Jackie to be the next-generation Cantor. And the first scene that we see of Jackie is he's off in a bar singing, you know, jazz music.
2: They call the, sound, sort of the
1: cantor is... is Where's, you know wondering where Jackie is and so Moisha happens to also be at the bar and, and sees Jackie and and runs home to tell the cantor that you know your son is at this bar singing jazz music and the, the, the dad is furious and he, he bursts into the bar and, and grabs uh, young Jackie who at the time is only 13 years old so that's kind of important to, to know that uh, and brings him home. I mean, this is all in the first few minutes of the movie. I mean, it's it's all happening really fast. They get back to the apartment, and the mom says that Jackie has the songs in his head, but not in his heart. And she's referring to the, the songs that they would sing as the canter. And the dad and, just... And the, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that the music is so beautiful.
1: Yeah, the music definitely adds to the drama, and the prominence of the music is is so high. Because there is no dialogue, so they've really got to carry it along with, with that music. now we're about 12 minutes in to the movie and this is the first scene that really stands out to me it's when um the mom is is sort of very understanding of jackie but the dad won't hear any of it and he's going to take jackie into the bedroom and giving him give him a whipping and jackie says if you whip me again i'll run away and never come back i was like wow this is this is really intense. This is, to me, this is really intense drama. It's not based on some kind of a made-up situation where somebody's told a lie and, and it's all built on this whether or not the lie is going to be revealed or not. Uh, this, this to me, was something that happens now, it happened then, happens now. It's that the dad just can't reconcile the fact that his son doesn't want to follow in his footsteps. You know, I mean that that's what it comes down to.
0: That scene really resonated with me because today that same kind of abuse occurs.
1: So the dad takes Jackie into the bedroom, and we don't see what happens, but we see the look on the mom's face, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And you can only imagine. I think it actually makes it harder to watch because you can't hear what's happening. You've just left up to your imagination. Poor Jackie. Again, he's only 13 years old comes out of the bedroom and he's crying and he gets a big hug from his mom. And I found that really sad and and really hard to watch. I mean, it's just a classic abuse situation.
0: It was terrible to watch. I mean, hard to watch. It was very powerful.
1: Uh, And Jackie basically runs away at that point and the dad comes out of the bedroom with this look. It was a mixed look on his face of both sort of, being lost a little bit and also sort of he's resigned to the fact that his his 13-year-old Jackie is is gone. And the mom says our boy is gone and he is never coming back. And I thought that could be taken two ways. He's physically gone, like he's not going to be back you know as a little boy, but he's also he's never going to be their little boy again, you know, like he's yeah. they kind of they kind of broke that relationship with him.
0: I, I, I may have read too much into the into the father's, Cantor uh, uh, Rabinowitz's face, but it was like he was trapped in the way he had been brought up in previous generations by the action that he took. And at the same time, lost because he he didn't know what... he. I don't think he really realized what the effect of this was on his son.
1: No, I think you totally nailed it. And I thought that um, Warner Olin did a really good job of portraying that because if you watch it, and I wa- again, I watched it a couple times, his face changes from this kind of look of dismay to his, like stealing it, you know, like hardening hardening his look to say, I, I did what I had to do. And I think you're right. I think he's sort of trapped in, in his tradition there. Yeah. And then we see a little bit later that they're at the synagogue and they're getting ready for prayers The dad says, my son was to stand by my side and sing tonight, but now I have no son. And he's very sad and he's crying, and I think the full effect of what, what has occurred is really hitting him.
0: I was amazed. At the lead-in to the movie, the four-and-a-half-minute overture, I was thinking to myself, this is really long. And then the first 20 minutes of the film, it's bang, 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 bang. All this stuff is going on. Wow. There's really there was a lot packed into that first act.
1: And it, and it sets up, I mean, the, there, there's a lot of work done in setting up what happens later. I think really the first act of that movie is, is in the first 15 minutes. I mean, it's a, it, it's a 90-minute movie, so the kind of the middle act of the movie is probably a good hour yeah to an hour and
0: yeah.
1: 5 minutes long because the the last act is is again it's very short and very <laughs> condensed in, in terms of what happens uh, did you find the singing so the next part where they have sort of the talking or the the singing was at the synagogue and man that was so moving and emotional <laughs>
0: And, and the way they transitioned from the silent to the music was well done. And they did Very this. Powerful.
1: Yeah, they did this thing with cutting back and forth from they cut from uh, the cantor singing and then they cut back to the apartment and Jackie has returned and he's looking yeah. I, I don't know what he's looking for exactly. maybe he doesn't know where else to go and he knows that his parents aren't there, so he goes back and he's looking at a photo of his mother and he's crying. And then we cut to her, and she's crying, the mom. And then we cut back to Jackie, and he seems so lonely and lost and alone. And he doesn't even take anything from the apartment, which I thought was interesting. And then, you know, I'm thinking, how's he going to survive? How's he going to live? And then we cut back to the cantor singing, and and that was a really good use of just that quick cut, back and forth, back and forth. Very powerful.
0: In the next episode of the movie he uh jackie is now in san francisco he's not he's- ch- well he's changed his name from jackie Rabinowitz to jack robin, robin. Mm-hmm. and he's in san Francisco at coffee dance and he's eating and the gentleman that he's eating with is william Demarest that's one of the first times that's uh, maybe the, uh, the only he was only in the film a couple of times that's the first time he shows up. But then we start the second act, which uh, kind of shows him making his own life.
1: Yeah, but didn't you find it interesting, and I, I only picked up on it the second time, that the first thing that we hear from him is this song called Dirty Hands, Dirty Face.
3: Wonderful pals are always hard to find. Some folks have one, some folks have none. And I was alone for years, but fate was kind. And in the end, sent me a friend. Although he's not much higher than my knees. Yes,
1: it's all about how this father loves his little boy, and it doesn't matter that he's got dirty hands and a dirty face, and he's, and some of the other parents call him uh, a rascal or you know a troublemaker. It doesn't matter because it's his little boy.
3: Leads the neighbor to chase, but his smile is as cute as can be. Making noise, breaking toys. Always fighting the boy But his eyes They're a vision to see And when my work is done Coming home To the setting sun From the gate He'll start to run And then I'll kiss My boy Dirty hands Dirty face Little devil that's what they say. He's an angel of joy.
1: And the first time I heard the song, I was more enthralled by just watching Al Jolson perform because I'd never seen him before. The second time I watched it, I listened to the words of the song and it was very moving. It was, I mean, that had to be done on purpose. I mean, it's Oh, the, I think
0: so, yeah to show how lonely he was after he kind of got well,
1: it's mild to
0: say he was estranged from his father
1: and one of the lines of the song is he's, although he's not much higher than my knee but still he's the greatest thing on earth to me that was, that was neat
3: you've got to run and then oh I'll I'll kiss my boy dirty hands. Dirty face, little devil, that's what they say But to me, he's an angel of joy
0: I really like Al Jolson's voice It's so unlike any other voice I've heard singing It's, It's really different
1: and I was thinking that it's he's part actor too because he some yes. of it some of it he's sort of almost talking. Yeah, it's he, kind of a singing rapping type thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> almost. Uh, and then and then we see Mary Dale for the first time, and she's just captivated by Jack Robin singing. And Mary Dale, I mean, it's obvious from the very first time we see her that they're going to be together. Um. And then we hear the famous line. I think it's probably one of the most famous lines in film, or at least in this movie. He says... Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
3: You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. You ain't heard nothing. You want to hear two-two-tootsie? right. Hold on. Hold right. on. No, listen. Play 2, two 3 chorus, you understand? And the third chorus, I whistle. Now give it to him hard and heavy. Go right
2: ahead.
3: Two, two, Goodbye. Chut, 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 don't cry. The ring,
1: so he finishes the face face first song, Dirty Hands, a Dirty Face, pray. and then he says, wait a, a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And then, I'm then I'm he goes into a second song, toot, toot Toot Tootsie, again. and he does this funny whistling thing that I just kind of cracked my mouth. I know. Him.
0: And that song, I remember that, that was kind of his... Well, they had two or three, but that was one of his signature songs. ta 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 goodbye Wow.
2: Goodbye.
1: Yeah, how'd he do that whistling? I don't know. It was it was interesting to watch him do it though. A talented man. <laughs> goodbye. Bye.
3: Goodbye, goodbye, Don't cry. The little to train that takes me away from you. You don't know just how sad it makes me. You kiss me pretty the end, then, hey, hey, do it over again. Watch for the mail. I'll never fail
1: so i I almost feel like we could skip over a lot of what happens in kind of the middle part of the movie because i think it's kind of your standard jackie meets a girl jackie (laughs) makes it big you know he's 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 best he's basically destined for greatness um and we kind of follow him along his path there a little bit. There are a couple scenes in there that I thought were more interesting, though. One was that about a half, half an hour into the movie, we cut back to Jackie's mom and the cantor. And the mom has received a letter from Jackie, and uh, Moisha Yodelson comes over to read it to her. I guess she probably can't read it basically says that he's doing great and he's met a girl and that makes the mom so happy, but she's worried that Jackie has fallen for a shiksa. Shix. I'm not sure. Again, I'm probably mispronouncing this.
0: We need Bernie here to interpret that. I don't, I don't but, know.
1: But basically it means that uh, a non-Jewish woman or girl, uh, Moisha Yudelson basically says, well, it's okay. I mean, you know, so-and-so changed her name when she got to be on Broadway. Maybe, maybe that's what, uh, Mary Dale's done. And that really reminded me of the gentleman's Agreement, where people yes. were Jewish people were changing their names to fit in yeah. more. So that De- was kind of
0: decades of that in in all kinds of fields, yeah. changing names. The I like the uh, guy that brought the letter over. Yeah, he uh, was Moshe, interesting. Moshe. It, 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 was that really his name in real life? I can't remember, or was that a character name?
1: That's a character name. His real character, name was okay. Otto Otto Letterer, another oh, Swedish-sounding okay. name to me.
0: Okay. He was very good in this film. He kept showing up all the time, too. Yeah, he was very
1: very involved in all the goings-on of the the New York ghetto, as they called it. Yeah. There's another scene that's kind of important, which is uh, Jackie's on the road, but he's in Chicago with the show, and he happens to be walking around and notices that there's a concert going on with a cantor who's performing songs that he would perform at the synagogue but he's doing it in term, in in a concert setting <laughs> that was a pretty interesting scene because you could tell that he was torn between those traditional songs and the way that his dad wanted him to be and, and his new life as an entertainer what would you think about that scene?
0: I loved it, I loved it uh, I would have gone to that I would have gone to listen to that that was such different music for me The whole concept of of religious music in a performance stage.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Well, you know what? You just you just saying that makes me think of something because near the end of the movie, Jackie says that his audience is like is is kind of similar in a way to the people that come to the synagogue to listen to the cantor sing. But if you take yes. the cantor out of the synagogue and put the cantor into a performance stage setting. How is that much different than what Jackie's doing? It's just the songs are different, right? I
0: found that very ironic, you know, that he got crosswise so much with his dad, and yet there's so much similarity in what they were doing.
1: Yeah.
0: I almost, you know, I didn't look this up, but I almost wonder if Al Jolson came from this kind of background in his real life. I have not looked that up at all. But well, this almost seemed like a biography.
1: Well, that's I did do a little I did do some reading on that and it's not a biography per se but it it does kind of follow his life in, in a bit. And he was actually born uh in Russia. Yes. Uh it's I interesting because that. the 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 newspapers at the time this movie came out said that he was born in New York. So they didn't even want to acknowledge that he wasn't born in the United States at the time. Or maybe that was how the publicity was spun. But he had a pretty hard go of it. Um, And I, I do think there are some similarities between the movie and his life.
0: This was later done, years later, by Neil Diamond, the jazz singer. I have never seen that movie. And it would be interesting to sort of do a comparison to this movie.
1: I thought the, I thought the same thing that the jazz singer with Neil Diamond won quite a few awards too, and, yeah. and there were some really famous songs that came out of that movie. And I guess it is based on this story. So
0: we may have to do that in a later uh, classic movie review. And I believe was Al Jolson or Neil Diamond's father a cantor? I believe one of their one of the guy's father was a canter in real in life. In real life, I think so. Yeah.
1: We could probably cut a little bit ahead to where he comes back to meet with his mom and
0: dad. Yeah, I, I, I like your comment. I love this travel bag. It was huge. That was a big bag.: That Can was you a cool bag that in overhead.: <laughs> Yeah, no way.
1: <laughs> wow. I think my dad had one of those.: Jackie comes back to New York because he's been put onto this Broadway show, and he's so happy to be back in his hometown, and he goes home. Is it just me or is the front door to their apartment always unlocked? Like he always oh, seems to come in and <laughs> no, no worries about somebody breaking in.
0: Everybody came in. She came in. The uh, Moisha came in. The, that guy from Broadway came in. It was just like an open door. Yeah, maybe that's the way it was.
1: Uh, but he he's he walks in and his mom's in the kitchen baking and. turns around and and sees him and is just so over-the-moon happy. And he gives her a nice necklace, and she says, Diamonds? With stones in it? You didn't do any (laughs) wrong, did you, Jackie? (laughs) I love that line. he laughs and says mama you ain't heard nothing yet and it kind of calls back to that first time we see Jackie when he's singing he notices that his picture's not hanging on the wall anymore and that makes him kind of sad but then he wants to sing for his mom blue sky smiling at
3: me nothing but blue sky do I see Oh, blue birds, singing up song. Nothing but little bluebirds all day long. I never saw the sun shining so bright. I never saw things going so right. Noticing the day, hurrying by. When you're in love, oh, don't they lie. Blue days, day games, all of them gone. Nothing but Blue tie from now on. you like that, Mama? Yes. I'm glad of it. I'd rather please you than anybody I know of. Oh, darling, will you give me something? What? You'll never guess. Shut your eyes, Mama. Shut them for little Jackie. Oh, I'm going to steal something. <laughs> I'll give it back to you someday, too. You see if I don't. <laughs> Mama, darling, if I'm a success in this show, well, we're going to move from here. Oh, yes, we're going to move up in the Bronx. A lot of nice green grass up there, and a whole lot of people you know. There's the Ginsburgs, the Guttenbergs, and the Goldbergs. Oh, a whole lot of birds. I don't know them all. And I'm going to buy you a nice black silk dress, Mama. Uh, you see, Mrs. Friedman, the butcher's wife, she'll be jealous of you.
2: Oh, no. Yes, she will. You oh, see no. if she isn't. And
3: I'm going to get you a nice pink dress. That'll go with your brown yes, eyes.
2: What, you? Pink, what pink, do you mean, no? Who is telling you? What do you mean, no?
3: Yes, you'll wear pink or else. Oh, no, no, no. Or else you'll wear pink. <laughs> and, darling, oh, I'm going to take you to Coney Island. Uh, yes? Yes, We're going to ride on the shoot to shoot? And, you know, in the dark mill? Yeah. Ever been to the dark mill? Well, with me, it's all right. I'll (laughs) kiss you and hug you. Now, Mama, Mama, stop now. You're getting kittenish. Mama, listen, I'm going to sing this like I will if I go on the stage, you know, with this show. I'm going to sing it jazzy. Now, get this. Blue sky, smiling at me, 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 me. Nothing but little blue sky. Do I see? Do, 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 do. Blue bird. Singing a song, nothing but little blue all day long. You like that slap vision? Never saw the sun, shining bright, never saw things going so right. Noticing the day, hurrying by when you're in love or don't they fly? Through day long,
1: nothing but. I guess this, uh, the song wasn't ad libbed, but the talking, the dialogue between songs was ad libbed. He just kind of made that up on the spot. And it was really sweet because he says something like uh, he's going to steal something from her and he he steals a kiss and he seems very genuine. He's
0: I really enjoyed the, mu- uh, the music Blue Skies, the way he performs it and the use of his eyes and facial expressions. Blue Skies was a huge hit in the 30s. That
1: was a good one and he yeah. really performs it well. Uh, He sings it once for his mom, kind of more reserved, and then he says, well, let me show you how I'm going to sing it on Broadway. And he starts really getting into it and pounding on the piano, and of course, his dad walks in, right in the middle of this performance, and uh, he's not happy. Uh, And the dad says, you dare to bring jazz songs into my house? I taught you to sing the songs of Israel and to take my place in the synagogue. And Jackie says, You're of the old world. If you were born here, you'd feel the same as I do. Tradition is all right, but this is another day. I'll live my life as I see fit. And the cantor says, You talk that way to a cantor? It's sacrilege. And Jackie just looks kind of crestfallen. And I kind of realized at that point that the cantor doesn't really see himself as Jackie's father. He really sees himself as the cantor. You know, capital... Yes. T, capital C, the cantor. And his whole identity is wrapped up in that notion. So of course he can't accept Jackie's turning away from being a cantor. He, he can't even conceive of the idea. Uh, and then Jackie says, you taught me that music is the voice of God. It is as honorable to sing in the theater as in the synagogue. And then the can- I really like that, oh, that, 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 that line. That was a great line.
0: card, yeah, it is.
1: That was, that was really spot on. Uh, the cantor calls Jackie a jazz singer in the most derogatory way possible and Jackie says like he says I came home with a heart full of love but you don't want to understand and that's kind of closes out that that part of the the movie and I think we kind of enter into the third act of the movie after that
0: the dancing uh, on the Broadway rehearsals of uh, April Follies was a was a Forerunner of Busley Berkeley movies that came along in the thirties had that same feel to it. Me and the early lots of lots of people dancing around on the stage in synchronization. That was really popular.
1: And I liked how the director got up and showed them how to do it because they weren't yes. doing it right. So he got up and this is how you do it. <laughs> Get it right. So the there's a title card that comes up. Because uh, we kind of cut from these rehearsals at the Broadway show Back to the Apartment, and the title card says, Grief, stalking the world, had paused at the house of the Rabinowitz. I know. Boy, I that's like that
0: an old use of the language. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and
1: yeah. I kind of stopped taking notes on a scene-by-scene basis here because it's kind of like, you know, we kind of know what's going to happen. The dad is sick. And he's, I think it's mainly from grief of losing his son. I think it's finally taken its toll on him. Um, Jackie has to choose between singing at the opening of the Broadway show or singing at the service on the Day of Atonement. And this this was a good dramatic setup to me. It, it was like, this these are two real choices that he has to make, and each one has a lot of weight and impact on his life, depending on which way he goes. Uh, and, and the rest of the movie kind of lets this play out.
0: Boy, it was so melodramatic to me. It was He's torn between going to the synagogue for Yom Kippur. I'm sure that's what was the, the date. Um, or going to the Broadway rehearsals and the play. And I'm like, holy cow, he, it was tearing him apart.
1: Yeah, you could tell. I mean, he did a pretty good job of, of acting that out, uh, I thought. He did.
0: Back and forth and back and forth. I'm like,
1: wow. Uh, but it all kind of works out. I, I I think that they actually shut the show down for the first night so that Jackie could sing at the, the Day of Atonement service. It, they did. And I, the, first thing,
0: <laughs> the first thing I thought of when I heard that was, how are they going to straighten all that out with the ticket holders?
1: Yeah, that's going to be a nightmare. Those people were probably pissed. I came in from Yonkers to see the play and you shut it down? Yeah. Wow. Uh, they may
0: still be sorting that out. Maybe five <laughs> years later. Yeah. Uh,
1: so here's what kind of bothered me about the ending of the movie, uh, not in a not in a script writing way or an acting way or directing, or it's just just in a the way the relationship between the father and son uh, was that even though the father heard Jackie singing at the service.
3: Uh,
1: He never really accepted Jackie for what he was as an entertainer. And he never got to hear Jackie sing at the Broadway show, because he passed away uh, yeah. that evening, and so it never got resolved for him. He never, he never grew as a person. Uh, he did say we have our son back, but he only said that because he heard his son singing at the at the service. Uh, so he never forgave him in a genuine way, and and I just thought that was that was too bad. It was it was sad that he didn't get to really reconcile with his son.
0: I felt the same way. It just—it left it unresolved in my mind. But uh, I thought it was also interesting that they could just open the window on the Cantor's apartment, and this music just flowed in like it was right in the room with him.
3: De kona mei wakinoes hey wa sei wa chi
0: But uh, I, the melodrama just—it was—it was kind of a carryover from the silent era when these melodramas took place, and the the uh, woman is tied to the train tracks and rescued at the last minute. I mean, it was, there was a lot of them.
1: Well, what? What? Because when I hear the word melodrama, I think it's kind of uh, like a uh, not not like a positive thing. Like it's overdone, or it's it's like a. Uh, overly dramatic, um, what, what? how do you interpret the word? Is that how you think of it?
0: It, it is, and when I think of melodramas, I think of uh, the only one that we've really reviewed that kind of had some of that was Blazing Saddles. Right. Toward the end of that, where all that stuff is unraveling with the town and the, all the people coming in, it's, it's, it's very uh, dramatic, and it usually has all kinds of action going on and it could turn out well or it could turn out poorly i mean so, you see it in now you see it now but it's so much there's so many years of experience setting them up it, it's it's a little more uh subtle
1: do you think the beginning I'm, of the movie with the like the first 10 minutes was melodrama or what did you think or was it more the ending of the movie that was more melodrama I'm just thinking think, of yeah, the, I, you know, the scenes of the uh, when he's getting whipped. You know, when Jackie's getting whipped. Yeah, I'd say the ending, relative to the beginning,
0: is more melodramatic, whereas the beginning is uh, horrendous. Yeah. How how he's treated by his father. Again, that's taking my values 2014 and putting him into that time frame. It's unfair to do.
1: I don't know. I I, I I think it's it's probably unfair a little bit to do that with the blackface part of the movie. Uh, but I think still that the the whipping of the little 13-year-old boy, I think that's just... Man, I just had such a visceral reaction to that as being yes, wrong. me too. You know?
0: Me too. Yeah. I did give this a rating. Did you?
1: I did. It wasn't that hard for me to give it a rating, actually. I will let you go first. Well, I'd give it an 8. Uh and and here's why I wouldn't give it a 9 or a 10. I thought that it was a really good movie. It was it was above average and it was his, it's historic in the sense of the the use of talking in the movie and the sound. And it had some great scenes like very the first 10 minutes really was was amazing to me. Uh, excluding the four and a half minute overture, that is, the ten minutes after that. But then it kind of slowed down in the middle, and it became sort of very predictable in terms of what was happening. So about the middle hour of the movie, I was kind of like, okay, let's get on with it. And there were some nice scenes in there, and some good singing and acting, which I enjoyed. And then the very ending part, after that title card about grief stalking the world, I I, I really liked that part. So I thought that it, the beginning was great. The middle was kind of slow for me. And then the ending was, I enjoyed. So I couldn't really go all the way to a 9 or a 10. If uh, The 9s the and 10s that we have used, I felt like the entire movie was just spot on. And I enjoyed the entire movie. What did you think?
0: I, I agree with everything that you've said. And I also gave it an 8 out of 10. I do appreciate, though, that the, uh, the movie opened up a wider audience of people that would get some appreciation for the Jewish faith. Yeah. You know, the Day of Atonement, the cantor, the beauty of the music and all of that. I think that, in addition to being a precedent-setting sound f- film, I think it was precedent-setting and sort of opening up that entire uh, area of religion that, for a lot of people, they may not have known anything about at all. So I I would go with 8 out of 10 as well.
1: Just one more thing on the blackface uh, that I just thought about was that had been going on since like the 1870s or something like that, hadn't it? In different like vaudeville shows and traveling shows. Yes,
0: they even had a name for a lot of those. They were minstrel shows.
1: Minstrel shows, yeah. So by the time this movie came out, that as a phenomenon had been going on for almost 60 years. But after this movie came out, it started... It probably the last time that was really done was in the fifties, right? Maybe even earlier than that. Uh, I have I my memory
0: would say in the nineteen forties, but you know at the after World War II, so much of our society and culture changed. I think it was really on its way out quickly then.
1: So I'm wondering. Not only did this movie open up an appreciation for you know, the Jewish faith, and and seeing aspects of that that maybe people hadn't seen, but I wonder if the exposure that that kind of phenomenon of the blackface had might have, in a weird way, accelerated its decline as, so I think there were a lot of things that happened to make that unacceptable in the the 40s, the late 40s, like World War II being a big one, but I guess the bigger point here is that as more and more people started to experience more and more of the world, they started to have an appreciation of of things that were beyond just their day-to-day experience, right? So yes. before, before movies happened, the only way they could experience these shows was these traveling shows that happened, like the minstrels. But then with film and... And radio, and but especially when talking movies started to happen, you started to get, uh, the world started to shrink, and now we're at the point with the internet, and YouTube, and Facebook, and like what we're doing now, like FaceTime, the world has shrunk to a point where it doesn't matter if you're a thousand miles away, or just right next door, it's like we could have the same conversation, and we could see things around the world that we wouldn't otherwise see. So this is the very sort of beginning of that yes. aspect of, of culture, like global culture and and the shrinking of sort of our day-to-day experience, uh, the expanding, sorry, of our day-to-day experiences. So,
0: and to me, the more that happens, I would, I would like to hope that people become less, uh, Combative with each other, you know. Looking around the world at what goes on today, it it seems to never go away. The the uh, discord and the the fighting between people of different that that are different in their views, they're different. Yeah. Every place, you know, almost every continent. Yeah. I'd, Boy, another philosophical
2: uh,
1: ending. Uh, ending to and our I show. Can't. Yeah, we can't help ourselves. It's time anyway. for another scary movie. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna jump ahead a few decades to 1961. Next episode, and we're gonna watch a movie that was recently featured in People Magazine, actually, as being a really scary and well-directed movie. And it's called The Innocents with Deborah Carr. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I've heard about it. I've never seen it, uh, but it's supposed to be quite suspenseful and, and scary.
0: I last watched it when I had my place in North Bend. I was It was one evening. It was on, I, I suppose it was on Turner Classic Movies, and I was there alone. And it scared me. Wow, it's, it's really different. Because, you know, a lot of the horror movies today, all the graphic violence and all are so well done with computer-generated images and all. But this is a much different approach to that. It's really... I think you're going to find it really... Uh, scary as hell.
1: All right. I love it. I love scary movies and uh, <laughs> I don't think that uh, Frankenstein and didn't really do it for me in terms of scary, so <laughs> I think this one will. <laughs>
0: I think I really do. I'm looking forward to it.
1: And and we've already picked out the movie that we're going to watch uh, 4 weeks from now, which is going to be The Good Earth. So it's Paul uh, Muni. Paul Muni. And yeah. I think that's going to be an interesting discussion. Uh, And then
0: maybe we should think about doing The Jazz Singer with Neil Diamond.
1: Neil Diamond. We could think about it. Or maybe another uh, monster movie. Who knows?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It depends on how you like The Innocents.
1: Anyway, so, interesting movie. Good discussion. Always fun to do these, Matt. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, thanks for joining us this time around. And, uh coming to you from seattle i'm matt johnson
0: and from los angeles bob johnson thanks for joining us
1: and this has been classic movie reviews and again you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net or just do a search in itunes for classic movie reviews so until next time have a great couple weeks of movie watching
3: One of your smiles on my mammy Mammy My little mammy The sunshine's east, the sunshine's west But I know where the sunshine's best It's on my mammy I'm talking about Nobody else's My little mammy My heartstrings are tangled around Alabama Mammy, I'm coming I hope I didn't make you wait Mammy, I'm coming Oh, God, I hope I'm not late Mammy, don't you know me? It's a little baby I walk a million miles For one of your smiles for
2: my ma ba- me na- na- ni-